Southeast Command. What's happened? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we're watching cartoons today. Yeah, the that's the thing that you don't want to watch in a in an area of your home where your working <laughs> at home wife is, especially. You want to keep the cartoons in the office. It really makes... Uh, it makes watching an episode of Star Trek at like 10.30 a.m. seem positively professional as an enterprise. Live action seems like it's plausibly work-related. Cartoons? <laughs> no way. Especially yeah. if, it's, if it's Futurama. Like Futurama is a very, like it's a familiar looking yeah. cartoon to most people. I was uh, self-conscious about the fact that I was laughing a lot, a lot watching this, and yeah. I was like, I feel like I'm rubbing salt in a wound that is very legitimate. Generous laugher Benjamin R. Harrison, uh, just giving it right back to the creators of Futurama. Doesn't yeah. surprise me. This is a funny show. Well, a lot of people don't know that I have a, a microphone in my house that Matt <laughs> Groening can hear, so if I laugh at a Simpson or a Futurama, he'll know. That sick fuck has a microphone in the toilet paper tube. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, what's your history with Futurama? Compulsively watched it when yeah. when it was out and then compulsively watched it again when it was on DVD. Like I was a big fan. The show's great. I uh, I too am a big fan. I really love uh I mean like I I feel like it would not be a total exaggeration to say that there's some inspiration for what we do in Futurama. It's that like, I'd say that 90% of the jokes are just jokes that anybody watching can get, but that 10% that are like, you have to know about this sci-fi thing that we're talking about to see what the joke is. Right. I know what all of the things are <laughs> in Futurama. And I, uh, I really like laughing at those like slightly wink, wink, nudge, nudge sci-fi jokes. It's a great show. I'm glad I got to go back and start watching it again. I'm I'm hoping it didn't start something with me that I <laughs> that now I feel compelled to finish. Yeah. I, I've never owned the DVDs of it, but in the streaming era have like embarked on I'm gonna watch all episodes of Futurama projects more than once hmm. where I was, you know, mid season three when the contract expired on the streaming service and all the Futurama episodes went away. I've been foiled a couple of times. I feel like I've seen the pilot like 300 times. It seems harder and harder to find the comfort food binge stream of a 20 minute program of any kind. Yeah. Like it's so easily digestible. It goes it goes so fast. And then you're hungry again, right? <laughs> right when yeah, it's over. It's, it's, it's like eating jello, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're just shoveling that stuff in our maws. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's the way people describe uh, Greatest Gen and Greatest Discovery. Like, mm -hmm. once, it's, once it's over, it feels like nothing happened. Boy, that was just some empty calories. I, I'll never get that time back, I suppose. Now, finally, to listen to something of substance. <laughs> uh, Adam, who was the... That did that P1 that, that kind of bribed us into doing this episode. Oh, shit. I should look that up. Yeah, we're uh, we're here in week two of the Max Fun Drive. 
uh, to do something we said we would never do. And I'm not talking about making an episode about Futurama. I'm talking about <laughs> uh, taking a viewer's recommendation for action. Yeah, Defested is the uh, is the name. That's right. Given. <laughs> Defested also helpfully gave pronunciation guides for your name and mine in the uh, in the P1. I appreciate that. Defested. Yeah. Ben rhymes with den, and Adam rhymes with datum. It's true. Uh, both of those things are true, and uh, it's also true that Defested uh, paid a hundred dollars to mm-hmm. purchase a personal Priority One message in order to make sure that their request was seen. Yeah. Uh, no guarantee of a, of us taking it for action, but look at us. Oh, I think we can guarantee that. I think that if you get a Priority One message and ask us to do something, we promise to do it. Priority One messages, uh, verily the truth or dare. <laughs> of of Uxbridge Shimoda, and here we are. <laughs> I I look away for a moment, and and Ben's doing something humiliating because Defested said so. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've already heard a pledge break, and you'll hear a couple more before the show is over. But uh, if if uh, you're listening to this post Max Fun Drive, know that this was a Max Fun Drive episode, and. Uh, we did an extra one uh, this month because of the Max Fun Drive, and uh, as, partly as a thank you to all the people who support the show at maximumfun.org/join. Uh, it really means a ton to us that people come out and uh, and support the show in the way that they do. So uh, thanks to everyone who has already gone and done it. Adam, what do you say we get into Futurama season four, episode twelve? 11? Oh, jeez. Don't do this. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of listed as one or the other. Anyway, the name of the episode is Where No Fan Has Gone Before. I did a bit of reading about the production of this episode, and I don't usually do that. The reason I did was because it seemed like such a unique challenge to gather the original series cast for a project like this, like far more challenging, I would think, yeah. than the TNG cast members doing Family Guy, you know? I really wanted to know if they did it in person, because I know that The Simpsons, they they try and do those table, re- like when they record The Simpsons, they do it with the whole cast there in the room together, right? That was not the case for this episode, save for Bill Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. They recorded their lines together, but everyone else recorded separately. Wow, amazing. It all began. Quiet, you. I mean, they didn't get the entire cast. DeForest Kelly definitely seemed like, is like walking around. Like, I don't know why they made the the Scotty joke, but not the... The Bones joke. Well, I can tell you, Ben, it's because uh, DeForest Kelly was dead at the time of this show's production. Uh-huh. And when... But his head hadn't been uh, preserved in a tank? No. And uh, they tried to get Jimmy Doohan, and they actually submitted an offer, and Jimmy Doohan's agent replied, no way. Wow. <laughs> so, like, the only, the only holdout... Was James doing? And uh, they give him the business a little bit in this episode. I feel. I think like. you deserve the business. If you're the lone holdout, give me a break. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that does seem a little less than fun, Jimmy D. I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, you're not obligated to be the thing that you're known for forever and ever. Amen. But yeah, like uh, at this moment in time. 
how many more opportunities to get the band back together could there be? And for as right. much as that has been made public about the many, you know, internal arguments among the original series cast, that especially might be a reason to to yeah. play one more song with these guys uh, in a Futurama episode. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of also think about it from the perspective of being like a essentially retired person in the entertainment business and being like, hey, there's some upstart cartoon show that wants to, you know, waste a bunch of your time and and being like, I don't know what that is. Like, it's fine if other people want to do it. I don't want to do you it. You know what? You That's know? super true. Like, he he's an old man and retired. Look at him. He's so old. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. It would have it would have been really great to to get them back together for the this um, and and what we do get is a ton of fun. We open on a, a very Star Trek reminiscent uh, shot of the Planet Express delivery ship uh, coming out of space, and it's got nacelles on it. It's got the uh, TOS nacelles like bolted to the sides of the ship. How did how did this happen, Adam? You know what? You would expect this entire show to be inspired by Star Trek, but Matt Groening said that he had never seen an episode of the original series in its entirety. Wow. And, and of the movies, <laughs> he'd only seen the motion picture. It seems impossible wow. that you could be a creator of a series like Futurama and not have familiarized yourself with that. But, I mean, that's a big... It's a big bit of business to consume. And I wonder to what extent, like the way many comic writers and stand-up comics themselves don't consume other comedy for fear of, you know, accidentally taking or or using poorly that inspirational material. I wonder if that's part of it. Well, clearly someone in the writer's room was extremely fluent in... Star Trek, the original series, if Matt Groening wasn't. Um, this episode opens with the uh, the heads of the cast of the original series. And, and it is the cast. It's not, uh, you know, it's not Bones and Spock. It's, uh, it's DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy and, and the gang. And their heads are in tanks. This is a, a technology that Futurama uses all the time to have the voice of a character familiar to our time uh, be present in a future a thousand years from now <laughs> and uh they are uh, they're they're be- they're in a courtroom that is being presided over by Zap Brannigan who is a character that seems very much based on Captain Kirk right. in a lot of ways uh Zap has uh, boarded the Planet Express ship to to preside over court and Bender and Leela are also there and they call their first witness and wheel him in, and it's and it's Fry, Philip J. Fry, and he's piking it. He's in, he's in the pike wheelchair. He's he's got he's got like the the lazy eyes. He's got the <laughs> open mouth. Uh, he's yeah. using the beeps. One beep for yes, two for no. Double yes, guilty. But then they ask him to uh, explain. Uh, how it is he got to be so guilty and uh, he starts doing uh, he starts doing like Morse code beeps <laughs> they come back to this a couple of times that people are Morse code beeping their way through detailed recollections of uh, of how we came to be here 
I love how the show starts with William Shatner's voice. Like it really, mm -hmm. it really begins with that tone setter, and it's almost unbelievable to see the show open, fall into the episode start, and hear that voice. And this voice sounds great too. He doesn't sound like older over it in the way that Shatner can occasionally sound. Right. And everyone who they got to be in the episode sounds that enthusiastic, sounds irrepressibly game for it. Yeah. Like who knows what the interpersonal dynamics at play were when they were recording it, but like what got to the episode is fun and good because they're they're playing their characters, you know? Even the great Jonathan Frakes has exactly one line of dialogue in this episode, and it's... <laughs> it's a really funny line. And he has a great moment. <laughs> Come on! Oh! Yes! Front row. And it just makes you think that uh, he just must be the greatest person to hang out with, even if you have a short amount of time. Like, yeah. the amount of time it takes to fly from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, like, uh, even uh -huh, if that's uh -huh. all the time you have, I imagine... Yeah. Uh, the stories you would hear, the friendship that would get galvanized. The lasting friendship that it would, it would create in that yeah. moment. Yeah. I kind of looked at that uh, head in the tank next to his and I was like, I wonder what that head is thinking. <laughs> how nervous that, that head must be. How like scrutinized that head must feel. Like, does Frakes know that I know that he's Frakes? Does Frakes recognize who I am? In the fictional future of Futurama, <laughs> if if your head was for some reason in the front row of this museum, which is ridiculous, and then <laughs> and then Frakes <laughs> slid forward to be next to yours, I think you'd uh -huh. throw your head jar off of the off of the lip of the railing <laughs> yeah, and would, you'd smash yourself I, on the ground, wouldn't you? I would I would rock back and forth <laughs> until I tipped off the edge. <laughs> and then all of the heads would have to look at that at that slowly rotting wet head on the floor until the museum opens the next morning. Mm -hmm. Really traumatic what you would have put them through instead mm -hmm. of just having a conversation. Just, uh, hey, uh, really appreciate your work. All, all that head needed to say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> maybe, maybe do a little fun first class joke like, uh, hey, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> oh, oh. oh, these are free. <laughs> the story Fry tells starts out in a video rental store, which is uh, something I look forward to coming back in the year 3000. Uh, they're, uh, they're looking through the tapes of different movies and, you know, it's, it's the whole Planet Express gang trying to argue over what to rent. And uh, Fry says a phrase that is forbidden. What words? Star Trek? Shut your gills. Star Trek is phrase forbidden. <laughs> that is exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> Star Trek? <laughs> Star Trek is phrase forbidden. Sir, I'm sorry, but your voice is carrying. A security camera, Iris is in on him. Yeah. Everyone hits the deck. They have to hide Fry in the body of Bender, which is like, I, I love like the joke of Bender being like almost entirely hollow yeah. and how that is like used as like exclusively for joke utility. It's it's like there's been a million episodes where somebody climbing into Bender would have helped the plot right. and 
that's not the point. This is <laughs> not like, the episode where, for some reason, Bender has a case of wine in there. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so they they smuggle Fry out of the video store after he uttered this uh, this totally forbidden phrase of Star Trek. And this is a moment in the episode that sort of establishes the pattern of storytelling. We're going to jump back and forth between the court martial scene and the stories they tell there. And mm-hmm. when we bounce back into the courtroom scene, Ahura tells the story of why the word Star Trek is banned. And we see via yeah. flashback that Star Trek has become a religion, which sounds great for us, Ben. If Star Trek yeah. were to become a religion, I think we'd become very powerful. We would be like the cardinals of Star Trek religion or the bishops or something. Yeah, because what you want to be right now is the higher up of any religion. <laughs> Nothing but great reputations when uh, when mm-hmm. you go further and further upward in the ladder of organized religions. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think Ben and Adam could get worse press, <laughs> but- here they go. Right. <laughs> and this is uh, this is actually something that the episode locks in on, which is as the religion becomes too powerful and even all powerful, it becomes too powerful to exist. Yeah. They immolate the bodies of all Star Trek fans everywhere by literally throwing them into a volcano. And they forbid people from practicing this religion and then they load like a rocket full of tapes uh, and, uh, you know, Star Trek books and crap and fire it at a planet called Omega-3. And uh, Omega-3 is world forbidden. Sir, I'm sorry, but your voice is carrying. There was a moment like in in Greatest Gen where where I think we were just talking about Dante's peak a lot. And the and and the grandma <laughs> scene where where she like yeah. walks de- next to the rowboat, and every time yeah. I see a death by volcano scene, I always think of Dante's Peak. I I was immediately thinking of Joe versus the volcano, and I was like, they're gonna pop right out of that volcano and wind up in the South Pacific with some really expensive luggage. That's what I'm saying. Like, how fast do you die if you're thrown into lava? Oh, uh, I bet pretty fast. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you see. You see volcano lava, and it's really thin. It looks like it looks like you die really fast in thin lava. But that thick stuff, like what if you were right. thrown into a thick volcano, and like mm, volcano you, you kind of splatted into the top, like it was pudding, like just really <laughs> hot pudding. Oh, it's like a non-Newtonian fluid, like oobleck, where if you hit it really fast, you you bounce off of like it. Like I'm wondering if the impact kills you, not the heat. Yeah. At that point. Shit. It might. That's what I'm thinking happens. And that kind of makes it worse for me. Like I I wanna believe that if I were thrown into a volcano, I would like it would be Terminator 2, like fast. Like <laughs> not Terminator 2 slow, like I'm on a chain, slowly like raising a thumb to let to let people know I'm gonna be okay <laughs> and this is what I wanted, but like that was that was fast lava. That, yeah. the, that the Terminator was lowered into. That's why they had to use the chain. He would have gone too yeah. fast for the thumbs up. Our buddy Manu could probably answer this question. He's a real he's a, he's a real volcano nerd. That would take me having to start a conversation with Manu, and I just don't know if I'm there yet <laughs> mentally. <laughs> How about you ask him and and then tell me what he says? 
He was just over at my house last night, and my wife made me explain why our Baywatch podcast is called Santa Monica Mountains to Manu's 13-year-old son. <laughs> and I was like, God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> why do I do this to myself? That episode you're talking about, Ben, the Santa Monica Mountains, available to supporters of The Greatest Discovery right now. You could pause this episode and go listen to over an hour of us talking about a Baywatch episode, if that's what you wanted to do with your day-to-day. If if not right now, very, very soon, the Greatest Discovery bonus episode of Garbage Fire 2, colon, non-fungible tycoons. If not now, soon. <laughs> Basically, my, my guiding principle. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout my life. A little joke is made about uh, how sad it is that another science fiction show was canceled before its time. Of course, we know the history of Futurama getting canceled and recanceled over and over again and juggled around from network to cable and what and whatnot. Fox really had this kind of track record for a time. You know, yeah. they'd cancel a thing and then that thing becomes very popular after cancellation. True. And uh, Matt Groening never stopped having fun with that. (laughs) You think that's bad. (laughs) Fry approaches Spock's head in a museum for counsel. He wants to know what happened to Star Trek. There's a surveillance camera that seems very uh, interested in seeing if Fry utters the forbidden phrase. And Mm -hmm. Nimoy is trying to play it coy. You know, he's, he's... not admitting to knowing anything and uh, and also trying to downplay the extent to which Star Trek was a big part of his life, which, you know, that was a, a battle that Nimoy famously kind of had with himself publicly right. publishing books by the name of I Am Not Spock. In this conversation, Fry learns about the 79 episodes and six movies being shot into this planet and it inspires an idea the idea is that he will take Spock's head with him, hop into the Planet Express rocket, and head to this forbidden planet. Uh, this scene really struck me because Nimoy breaks down crying about his fate and about the fate of Star Trek, and it's uh, like I'm I associate him so strongly with Spock that uh, like him bursting into tears, even in cartoon form, made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. As most emotional outbursts are (laughs) when experienced in person. Yeah. Yeah. He also explains that he was left here by his, by his fellow cast members who left for planet Omega three. And, uh, he had just signed a, a six month, uh, contract for an apartment. So he couldn't, he couldn't break the lease and, uh, he let them go without him. He hasn't seen them in hundreds of years. In this scene, I was surprised by just how much emotion was conveyed by a couple of actors in jars in a scene like this. Like, yeah, it seems like it would be more difficult to convey that as a voice actor in a cartoon than it would be in real life. And all of the actors who participated in this episode, I thought in their own way, was able to do that, whether or not they're trying to convey something comedic or serious Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. sad or whatever. Yeah. Uh, They're all really good at this. Frakes, for example, when he celebrates getting to be on the front row of the shelf, like you can really feel the pathos in that performance. 
you can really sense how excited he is to be next to someone who may be interested in a conversation. He's, he's just he's, open that way. I think he's next to Liz Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a huge upgrade from sitting next to a fucking Star Trek podcaster. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think there's something to learn from everyone. Hmm. They are really bizarre. Aboard the Planet Express ship, uh, as they approach forbidden territory, all the alarms go off. Yeah. They have every reason not to enter the orbit of this ship, but they just go ahead and crash right into it like they're, <laughs> they're Captain Janeway or something. It seems like the some kind of planetary defense disabled all their systems. Maybe there was some kind of uh, planetary defense bois. Right. And launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. And uh, yeah, they they go down real hard. They don't use their delivery ship as a way to circumvent a security system like this. Yeah. And I don't remember them doing that very much on this show. The way that like, right. Uh, like many apartment complexes, I think myself included, like a delivery person has the gate code. They can just go through and then put stuff on your right on your doorstep or whatever. Like they the Planet Express ship doesn't have a code to this planet. It's because planet forbidden. Sir, I'm sorry but your voice is carrying. The uh, Postmates delivery guy weirdly does not and that's why there's constantly cold pizza out there. <laughs> I know. Their ship is really like banged up, but they step out on this planet and uh, a bunch of like pieces of the set of uh, noteworthy TOS episodes, such as the uh, the Guardian of Forever hole and uh, the Old West set and the uh, whatever that gate is that the Nazis all hang out at in the Nazi episode. <laughs> what gate is that? Is that the Brandenburg Gate? Brandenburg Gate. That sounds right. I hope that's right. Guess who should pop out of Carl's hole but uh, Shatner, and he's he's embodied. He's not just a head in a tank. He's got the full, he's got a uniform. Yeah, he looks great. Looking svelte. And he looks happy. They all are. As soon as they emerge from, from Carl's hole, yeah, uh, they are psyched. The last person to emerge is Welshy, who is uh, kind of a rotund uh guy in a red shirt clearly there to stand in for Scotty and it's explained that there was uh, a musical reunion special in the 2200s and uh, they could not get they could not persuade Jimmy Doohan to participate and uh, or no he, he was like bad at yodeling right yeah <laughs> and so uh, so they replaced him with Welshie Welshie says some stuff in Welsh to sell the joke that he's Welsh I well, she is really the red middle finger to Jimmy Dewan at this point. <laughs> Welsh is a language. I feel like the Welsh kind of delight in how hard it is for non-Welsh speakers to understand. Uh-huh. Like, uh, if I grew up in Wales, I would write longhand letters in Welsh to the BBC once a week just to fuck with them, you know? <laughs> now that sounds like something you'd make the time for. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a, That sounds like a great hang. The cast is so happy to be fully corporeal that they didn't stop to ask why this had happened. Yeah. This is a very like uh, Nexus ribbon way to be at this point. Things are going so well, none of them ever stopped to ask why things were going so well. And right. they soon find out uh, when this glitter cloud appears 
and this glitter cloud is so angry, it's angry enough to kill Welshie in front of them. Yeah. This is uh, Melvar, and Melvar has kind of fallen into the same religious fervor for Star Trek as the population of Earth once did. Melvar uh, consumed all the tapes and books and stuff that were shot at his home planet, and as a being of pure energy, was able to cause the heads of the cast to uh, to to be re-embodied, and uh, and he he just uh, he just loves having the cast around. He's he he worships it. As a being of pure energy, you and I both know what's actually going on there with Melvar. I can't believe he's interested in 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 playing with his toys here. Because when you're a being of pure energy, yeah, you never stop coming. <laughs> yeah, you come 100% of the time. Yeah. It's actually really messy. <laughs> I'm everywhere and nowhere! I can see everything! It's very hard to like get a dinner reservation when you're a being of pure energy. Not because they're being weird about you being a being of pure energy. They don't want to deal with all your nut. I mean, doctors often have that story when asked, you know, what's like the weirdest thing that you've ever experienced as a doctor? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's the patient that stands out to you? And that's that's the dinner party answer many doctors have. It's the being of pure energy. Yeah. But it, but the, the description of that- By the time I came into the exam room, it was already ankle deep in nut. <laughs> but that story always pivots into something sad. You yeah. know, like the being of pure energy uh, is tormented by this. This isn't yep. a good thing. That's why Melvar is so upset here. It's it's kind of a Ponzi scheme of good feelings because the first thing Melvar does is give Spock a new body and then announces that there's going to be a Star Trek convention and uh, like Melvar really wants to do the Star Trek convention right, waiting in line and paying for autographs and stuff. And uh, not somebody the cast is like super into. <laughs> it's a really fun variation of like the kid playing with the action figures to, you know, do an episode versus a kid playing with the action figures to do a convention. Yeah. <laughs> I like, want to meet that kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it and not even a good version of it. You know, like we're talking about a a convention where Shatner does the real slim shady has a spoken word right on stage i mean all of the quote unquote fun elements of an okay convention are seen here yeah but when melvar loses the trivia contest to fry uh he pivots the scene into what i believe he's always really wanted to do with these characters he he wants his fan fiction to become a reality. And when and this is proposed, Leela uses this as an opportunity to leave. Like, like she she knows that... Uh, <laughs> We're they're, not going to stick around and watch the fan production of <laughs> right. TOS. So they get the hell out of there. And I was surprised that they did. Like, yeah. like we cut to space and there's the Planet Express ship. They're getting away. One thing that Futurama can get away with in a way that a another television show might not be able to is that they just hatch a plan to murder Melvar yeah. here. 
Like, nobody asked them to murder Melvar. The case hasn't really been made that Melvar is, like, a threat to anyone or yeah. even doing something that, like, like the cast is, I guess, t- technically they're imprisoned by Melvar, but not in a way that they find unpleasurable. Like, they like having bodies and shit. <laughs> they kind of unsubtly make the case that creators of fan fiction are deserving of the death penalty. <laughs> it's... It's a pretty dark moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like when we, when we cut back and they're like reading reading through the script on the uh, half of a half of an Enterprise bridge set that Melvar has there. Uh, this is the first time that these characters are not giving it their all, and uh, Melvar is none too pleased with the fact that the uh, that they're not like putting their their stank on it. It's interesting that that's how you described this, because what I saw in this scene was that Melvar can't write. Melvar, you have to respect your actors. The love of a thing doesn't translate into a person's ability to make that thing. That's true. I mean, I guess we've seen plenty of Star Trek scripts that seem to have been written by somebody that can't write get produced by the actual show. So (laughs) That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Actors do need to be able to rise to the occasion from time to time. That's fair. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. The Planet Express ship is on its way back, and they've come up with a plan to uh, shoot some beam weapons into Melvar and pop him like a balloon. Uh, But unfortunately, what happens is that these beam weapons actually serve to power Melvar up and make him really big, big enough to reach a energy hand into space and grab the Planet Express ship and slam it onto the ground a second time. (laughs) I really love the energy hand effect, and I really love the effect of Melvar itself because Melvar is a total TOS (laughs) monster yeah like i love that is that that melvar is not a futurama monster melvar is a star trek monster totally it's a it's a very simple optical effect where they're putting some some sparkly effect and some and some green tinting on the screen which you could argue is a better effect than anything the original series ever made yeah (laughs) you could argue that um, I also love how beat upable the Planet Express ship is in this yeah. show. Like it's this is the second time we see it get totaled in this episode, and it was like <laughs> ready to fly again with it with no explanation. Like they just love like breaking shit on this show for a joke. Science fiction damage is so interesting, right? And there seem to be very few forms of it. Like there's there's scorch, and there's nacelle flying off or yeah. or there's big explosion like star right. wars but there are very few examples of like crumple yeah. damage and futurama has nailed the crumple yeah in a really fun way which definitely comes from the simpsons i think like they definitely yeah. like like homer's car always has mm-hmm. some body damage whenever you see it and yeah just meant to indicate something about like the way homer conducts shit <laughs> <laughs> crumple is funny yeah crumple is f- much funnier than huge explosion most yeah. of the time yeah i mean practice blowing up is the funniest thing that star trek ever did oh yeah <laughs> god i i could barely hold it together yeah i didn't even know what was happening by the time i recovered from laughing in that movie i was like what they're in prison 
<laughs> Why? So this puts Melvar in a tough position. Melvar realizes that Fry, Leela, and Bender are real space heroes that did like a real version of what the original series cast has only depicted in television and a few films. And so Melvar wants to decide whether he's going to stick with worshiping at the altar of TOS or if he's going to shift all his devotion to the Planet Express crew. And the way he will decide uh, how to do that is by making them all Star Trek fight each other. This will be your standard battle to the death. I'm really glad this episode didn't turn the conflict into the TOS crew seeing the Futurama characters as pretenders to the throne or anything like that. It's very much a Melvar instigated conflict and not a you're not better than us conflict. And I think that really helps the story. It does. Yeah. And it makes the TOS crew likable at 100% throughout the episode. That's the tricky thing about writing something like this is... I guess I guess Jimmy Doohan is the only one that really like gets completely roasted. <laughs> right. Right, like his like well she isn't just shot and killed, his body is then desecrated a second time by Melvar again. <laughs> yeah. The fight breaks out and it's uh like Shatner is preparing himself by ripping his shirt up a la Gordon fight. The sound of him ripping his uniform and then like I don't know if this is just me projecting, but I could swear he was like scratching his chest and what you could hear was the unmistakable sound of like like the sound of a shaved piece of skin, like like whiskers. <laughs> oh man. Their uh, weapons are anything they can find. Bender finds a Tommy gun and unloads its entire magazine in delight. <laughs> That was fun. Conversation between Shatner, uh, Nichelle Nichols, and George Takei, where Shatner suggests that uh, George Takei do some karate on the Planet Express crew, uh, with which Takei takes great umbrage only later to do some karate. Right. I don't know if you write that joke exactly that way today, but I liked that. Like, I don't think George Takei, like, fucks around with shit he thinks is is racist you know like he's he's a he's a very like empowered voice in uh the asian american community and and like really brooks no bullshit he's in on the joke of making fun of star trek when he was shooting it like at the time but but like knowing that about him i was like bracing myself when Mm -hmm. the when the premise of this was introduced i was like what are they going to do with this and uh I thought it was great that uh, he he pays it off by doing a karate chop. George Takei kind of has a lot to do this episode, and I think he almost has the uh, the second most amount of dialogue next to Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, you might be right. Nichelle Nichols gets to do her fan dance from Star Trek V. Always got to call back the fan dance. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets their fun moment here. Yeah. Which is great. I loved uh, Leela fighting Kirk. This is like Leela is the character on Futurama that does the most Star Trek fighting mm-hmm. and her fighting Kirk. Kirk even does the like two handled chop on her, gets knocked on his ass. This episode plays the hits. Yeah. But it's never, 
I don't know, like you could do an episode where you play nothing but the hits and it would be lame. Right. Yeah, it's not all fan service. This is not that. It's like anytime it it kind of feels like it might do some fan service, it's a switcheroo and it does it. Right. And it fools you. And anytime it it does, you know, like anytime it's actual fan service, it's done as a joke. The fight scene gets interrupted when Melvar gets called away to dinner by Momvar, the <laughs> the mother figure of Melvar. You could tell Momvar is the mom because of her uh Yeah, those like cat eye glasses and the What decade are those glasses from? Yeah, I don't know. The past. They're like the glasses that a uh, weight person would wear it at like an old timey diner trying to like really sell the aesthetic. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is another bit of a dunk on the Star Trek fan community. The idea that the devoted fan that is Melvar is a 38 year old being of pure energy that lives in his mom's basement. If I were a being of pure energy, I would never leave the basement. (laughs) I'm gonna. I'm. I'm turning 38 this year. I should. Uh, I should ask my parents if their basement is available for me to move into. Yeah, you want that as a backup plan, I think. That's nice, cool air down there. Yeah, the whole year through. Yeah. So with Melvar gone, they decide to work together to escape both the TOS crew and the Planet Express crew. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about this plan is that their broken ships are compatibly broken. Right. The uh, the ship that the crew took has uh has propulsion but no life support the planet express ship has life support but no propulsion so they weld the nacelles from the original series cruise ship onto the planet express ship and they're like taking off from the planet and melvar pursues them uh from a a like bird of prey looking ship compatibly broken ben just like you and me Mm. <laughs> we should have called this podcast that yeah they all get pulled over by the uh the nimbus zap brannigan's ship uh and he boards them and uh and we cut back to the uh the courtroom on the planet express ship where they're like and we're still in a space fight with melvar <laughs> so right. this has all been taking place during this uh during this dog fight and so they run up to the bridge and they have to uh, they have to fend off Melvar. I really love how this story does the does the classic thing of beginning in a place and then telling itself in flashback, but the moment where the the flashbacks meet up with the present is yeah. is so nicely done. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Melvar does not want to let them leave. He, like, these are his toys. And uh, they get on the FaceTime with him, and Fry kind of makes the pitch that it's okay to let some things go. You know, Walter Koenig even had a little acting career after Star Trek, so it can be done. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I found this a little bit hard to believe because something you and I talk about a lot is when the greatest generation and the greatest discovery are over, there's no there's nowhere for us to go right. at that point. Yeah, the only place left to go is back to the beginning. Yeah. And just do it all over again <laughs> until we're dead. Sounds like a pretty good life. Yeah, I guess so. So Melvar is convinced and the crew is permitted to leave. Yeah. We skipped over the part where they like couldn't 
they couldn't take off because they were too heavy. So they had to throw the bodies of the original series crew <laughs> out the side yeah. of the ship. So they're back to being heads and tanks kind of saying, you know, Melvar wasn't all bad. He gave us bodies and he set us up and uh, let us have eternal youth. And all that was really nice. Yeah, but the, that's not what, what's really important. That's not the lesson here. Yeah. What's the lesson, Adam? <laughs> it's fun to enjoy things, but uh, but when you allow the things you enjoy to run your life, you sacrifice all, many of the things that make a, a life worth living. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you get to a failure to launch situation like the Matt McConaughey movie. I occasionally in like looking around the internet for stuff for our show will encounter like a YouTube channel or a Twitter account that is dedicated to new Star Trek things sucking. And Mm -hmm. like, I'll be like, it's fucking 2021. Are you still posting about this? Just don't watch it. What the fuck? And I kind of think that that's like partly what's being addressed here is like, you know, it's fine to like something. And if you don't like something, you don't have to do it. But it's also like if you like it so much that anything like slightly related to it that isn't it is not a threat to you. I think for a long time, our society has elevated those with strong personalities into popularity. Right. And for many people, the absence of a strong personality is replaced with a strong interest right. in a thing or a strong opinion about a thing that is expressed just as vocally as these personalities that are put up on these pedestals. Right. And I think maybe that is, uh, that's related to what's at play in some of these people and accounts that you're describing, you know, right. like, like, you don't have to be the loudest opinion in the room. You don't have to be the one with the loudest interest in the room to be an interesting person. But there is this this emphasis on like the 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 need to have that kind of volume yeah. to your life or your character in order to matter. And I, and that's just not true. It's it's not. I think it's kind of a grift like they start to get rewarded by the algorithm like the algorithm that kind of like looks to take you into a more and more extreme direction of whatever information you look for in your initial search. And then like when they start to be like financially rewarded for screaming about something being bad, I I don't want to like excuse these people, but there's something tragic about it, you know, that, that they're like in this kind of hamster wheel of hatred. I mean, we started keeping score. That's, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. when when you can easily see how many friends you have or how many followers you have, it became about getting more of those and more of that. And there's no putting that <laughs> shitty toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube, you know? <laughs> yeah. And why did we buy a, a tube of shitty toothpaste to begin with? That's a terrible way to clean your teeth. I know. <laughs> this this episode just got heavy duty. Did you like it, Ben? I did. I really liked it. Uh, I don't think I got to this episode in either of my attempted rewatches wow. of Futurama. So this one, I hadn't 
if I if I saw it when it originally aired, which is not unlikely, it has been a, a long time since I've seen it, and uh, it felt like a it felt like my maiden voyage with it, and I really enjoyed watching it. How about you? I think I watched the entire season several times, but the last time I did that was many years ago, like fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um. So. So the specifics of this episode were long forgotten. Uh, it felt today like watching this episode for the first time. And it really got me several times. Like the fun alone in a room laughs that you know score because they're great jokes. They're yeah. great bits. That's the hardest laugh to get. And uh, and it worked almost every time. It's yeah. It's a great show and a great episode of a great show. And uh, I, I don't think you have to be a Star Trek fan to enjoy this episode or the series itself. Like, it's not, it's funny, incidentally, set in a science fiction universe. It's not funny because it's, that's where it lives. Right. How do you think this compares to Lower Decks? Like, I, I, it, it's a very different type of show, mm -hmm. but um, I laughed at every episode of Lower Decks for sure. But this, I've, I laughed eight times at this episode out loud. And I was like, I feel like I laughed a lot out loud at this one. That's really interesting. Like I, I hadn't thought to AB them, but I think I love Lower Decks and Lower Decks is hilarious, but it feels like the math is different. Yeah. The, the, the comedy beats of Futurama are just different in a classic way. And the comedy of Lower Decks is funny in that Rick and Morty way. Like it's a, they're both speaking comedy language, but they have different accents, you know? Yeah. Well, and I also feel like this is a special episode of Futurama, like one that they probably knew would get new eyes on it. So they put like extra care into how mm -hmm. how banging the jokes were. Much in the same way uh, our, our many supporters approach the max fun drive we're finally in the second week i think many of them are coming around to the idea that the show is deserving of support uh, so yeah. many great episodes in our catalog so many great episodes to come uh, well yeah and so we would normally do a priority one message here but uh if this is during the drive you will now hear about some great gifts and if it's not during the drive that you're listening to this episode i'd say Get a priority one message or go ahead and support at MaximumFun.org slash join. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? I think it's got to be Welshy. I think Welshy's got to be the Larkin in this episode for me. Damn. Like, Welshy comes out like he owns the place, gets killed, gets killed again. Just a punchline character that, uh, I mean, like if I was cast in this episode, I would I would love to be cast as the voice of Welshy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Welshy character is the most absurd character in the episode, and that's what makes Welshy a great Larkin. I'm going to go three ways with my Larkin, Ben. Wow. And the reason is Jimmy Doohan. Like I thought a lot about, like I... I accept and understand his unwillingness to participate in the episode. And it's that understanding that made me wonder why Walter Koenig, George Takei, and Nichelle Nichols would want to. Mm -hmm. And that's why the three of them are my Shimoda this episode. Like, nice. you got a career 
in Star Trek, probably expecting a, a kind of treatment in this episode that I think would have to make you question whether or not you want to participate. Like, you know, Bill Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are going to be a part of it. You know, they're probably going to be the stars of the episode again. What right. does that leave you in a 20 minute episode? Probably not much. Why? Why take this job? Like, why do it? I'm guessing they don't have the script when they're getting approached for this, too. And everyone's seen in this episode, every one of Walter Koenig's scenes and George Takei's scenes and Nichelle Nichols' scenes are funny and well-written, and they clearly brought their best effort to it. Yeah. And, they, and, and all of their scenes had something to say about them and the character and their relationship to the show that they made. Yeah, making and, making fun of the things that were like badly done about their characters. <laughs> I just think about how they didn't have to do this and they still did. And it worked out great because they they chose that. And I mean that's that's big fun. They chose the possibility of fun. And that's that's Edward Larkin right there. Like they they took a shot and they won the fun. They won the fun. I love it. Ben, it's been two weeks in a row of great Greatest Discovery episodes. And I got to wonder what's going to happen next to the Greatest Discovery. We're going back to every other week. Yeah, we got to do that. This is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Uh, So there'll be an episode next week. And then after that, uh, a break again. What has a listener told us to do? A listener, a listener has not told us to do this. In fact, people okay. have been begging us not to do this, Adam. But a lot of new Star Trek news has come out over yeah. the last few weeks. And I mean, like, we haven't really covered enough of it on the show to uh, to earn our keep as a new Star Trek podcast. So I think we got to go over this stuff. And uh, so I think next week's episode will be a greatest discovery where we... Uh, look at trailers, uh, read the news, talk about, you know, new Star Trek Picard, new Star Trek Discovery, new Strange New Worlds, all of the new stuff that's happening in the in the world of new Star Trek. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Hey, we had talked about maybe doing that as also a live Twitch stream. Do you want to do you want to lay that episode down and also live stream it, Adam? You're just springing this on me? Like this? It's just an idea. You can say no, and then Rob can edit this out. No, that's a great idea. Let's do it that way. Then it's like uh, it's getting value for the Twitch. Yeah, value for the Twitch. So if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to watch that uh, get recorded, you can uh, follow the Greatest Trek channel on Twitch.tv. And uh, if you'd like to just wait for it, it'll be in your feed next week. If you'd like a close-up angle of Rob's fingers around a empty sausage casing and then Star Trek news just being rocketed inside and then twisted into links, <laughs> that's what that episode's going to be like. You're yeah. going to love it. You're going to love watching it get made. I hugely look forward to it, Adam, and uh, that'll be next week. On The Greatest Discovery, and now... We'll let Robs tell you one last time why you should support The Greatest Discovery in the Max Fun Drive of 2021. Thanks, Robs, and thanks to everyone for supporting. Here we are, the final Uxbridge Shimoda episode of Max Fun Drive 2021. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. Thanks so much for pledging your support. And if you haven't, 
I really hope I can convince you right now because it means a whole lot to all of us. It's how we plan really fun things like tours when those happen or live stream events, fun bonus episodes, and really just staying afloat. I'm a professional editor. Bill is a professional at social media. We have costs for keeping the podcast hosted. All sorts of things that really add up when you start putting it down on paper. And the podcast is worth it. Let's be frank. If you're listening this far in and you haven't pledged your support, I understand if there are reasons you can't do it, but you like listening to this show. And if you can, you should. Because you know what? What's good for podcasts is what's good for podcasts. And what's good for people is what's good for people. And what's best for us is you heading to MaximumFun.org slash join, pledging your support, and checking the boxes for both The Greatest Discovery and The Greatest Generation. Because The Greatest Discovery is a MaximumFun.org podcast. It's hosted by Adam Pranica and Benjamin R. Harrison. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Bill Tilly does all of our social media work. He also makes some amazing trading cards, and that's why we call him the Card Daddy. Our theme music and interstitials are by the great Adam Ragusea. You can check out his YouTube channel. So once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting. If you still haven't clicked the link, please go to the show notes and click it now. $5 a month. What is that? 17 cents a day? MaximumFun.org slash join. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.